turn your Bibles to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Now, I'm going to do everything I can to finish this one today. Okay, that's, that's, I'm pressing toward the goal, the high call of God to finish this. All right. <laughs> um, let's see how we do. Let's begin in James chapter 1 and verse 10. But the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field he will pass away, for no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat than it withers the grass. Its flower falls, you're going to understand what, exactly what this means, by the way, and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. So we've looked, the first thought that we looked at with regard to this, remember again, had to do with being humble, okay? We were talking about the rich man being humble, and that they have the opportunity to be a blessing without being known, and that's what God is looking for. And that's really what I want you to take away from this. Um, not only for the poor, that they need to stop seeing themselves poor, change their self-image. And we need to do that. You know, this, may, this is not just for poor. You know, this is for people that might think that they're not too intelligent or anything else. You need to stop seeing yourself that way. Amen? You need to see yourself differently. Because whatever you see yourself as, that's what you will head for. That's what you will become. Amen. As a man thinks in his heart, so he will be. Oh, so shall he be. All right, so we need to change our thinking. And also, remember, this is, this, this is where it's really interesting, the way the Bible gives us both things. You know, it talks about the poor, that you need to change your self-image. You need to look, look at yourself in a different way. You belong to royalty. And it says the, to the rich, now listen, you know, you're used to getting your way. <laughs> you're used to letting, you know, your money kind of uh, speak loudly, if you know what I mean. You push, you, you kind of push your weight around and say, you know, I got this much money, I got to roll the money. So, uh, <laughs> and everybody goes, yes, 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 <laughs> whatever you want, you can have the front seat. You know, and James is saying, stop it, stop doing stuff like that. Because remember, Jesus said, if you, you know, if you give to be seen, that's all you're going to get. Amen. And remember again that James wants people to be blessed. Amen. So the second thought expressed here, um, which is again with regard to not becoming proud and letting your riches corrupt you in any way. In his commentary, Douglas J. Moore writes, Money and the things that money can buy, James well, no well knows, are a tremendously powerful lure to, com uh, to compromise one's wholehearted commitment to the Lord. Did you get all of that? We really need to catch this, okay? Money and the things that money can buy, James well knows, are tremendously powerful, a tremendously powerful lure to compromise one's wholehearted commitment to the Lord. And so his thoughts move naturally from, now listen carefully to this, the need to approach God with a consistent and unwavering faith, because that's what verses 6 through 8 was. Remember, let not a man be double-minded, because a double-minded man will not receive anything from the Lord. Remember all of that? Okay. Let him ask in faith, okay, believing. So he's saying, listen, you can't let anything get in the way of that. And money can get in the way of that, <laughs> all right? And so again, he says, uh, back to this, so his thoughts move naturally from the need to approach God with a consistent and unwavering faith to one of chief threats to that kind of faith. As Jesus warned us, in Matthew 6.24, no one can serve two masters. I want you to see the word serve. 
People replace serve with have. They say, you know, you can't have God and money. Hey, hey, no, no, no. Jesus didn't say you can't have God and money. He said you can't serve God and serve money. Do you understand? Let's read it. Okay. He says, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve. You cannot serve. You cannot serve God and mammon. Are you all with me? Amen. So we really need to understand something here. You know, God wants us to be blessed. God wants us rich, but he doesn't want us serving those riches. He wants us serving him with those riches. Oh, hallelujah. Do you know that's what they rejoiced about in the, you know, in the, God, in the um, I was going to say the, the epistles, <laughs> I can't really do that, uh, in Acts. You know, when, we talk, when they talk about rich people that were opening, opening up their homes and sharing what they had, you can't share what you don't have. It just astounds me that people, you know, kind of turn their nose up at people with wealth, and yet they're so happy to walk into somebody's home that's wealthy and eat all their food. <laughs> no, I'm just telling you, man. You know, I mean, talk about being hypocritical. Seriously, the body of Christ is so hypocritical, it's ridiculous. Amen? So, you know, and, and that's the thing. They rejoice, oh, praise God, brother, that you can, you know, help us and feed us and everything else. And at the same time, you know, the church has this, oh, yeah, but they got filthy lucre. It's only filthy because what you do with it. Maybe the lucre in your hand is filthy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it's not in everybody's hand. All right. So to continue. Uh, Douglas J. Moo says, to the rich believer tempted to think too much of himself because the world holds him in high esteem, James says, take pride not in your money or in your social position. Things that are doomed all too soon to fade away forever, but in your humble status as a person who identifies with the one, God's son, Jesus Christ, who was despised and rejected by the world. See, back then, it wasn't sort of um, popular to be associated with the Christians. Okay, because they were uh, labeled as a cult, and they were trying to get rid of this cult. That's all it was. And they thought, well, you know, the leader has died, been crucified. It'll disappear now. And they were doing horrific things to Christians back then. And so for you to be associated, you know, with that, it would be like today... Oh, I can't mention anything online. All right. <laughs> uh, for you to be associated with something necessarily that, you know, people would frown on as a religion. Just think of one for yourself. Okay? And then, you know, you, you sort of don't want to tell people that you're associated with that because it's cultish and it's weird and blah, 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 blah. Okay. So, and so for those who are too proud and refuse to identify with Christ, their Savior, and insist on parading their riches, Jesus himself says in Revelations, let's go to Revelation chapter 3 and verse 17. Revelations chapter 3, <laughs> every time I read this scripture, I remember Jesse Duplantis on the airplane. 
and he's, he's sitting next to this, this, this rich person, and he's talk, you know, he tries to share the gospel wherever he goes. He's an evangelist, all right? And uh, so he he's, he's, he's tries to share the gospel, and I think one day he was sitting in the airplane, and forgive me if I get this like, not exactly right, okay? Uh, but he said he was sitting in the airplane, and he was sitting up to, next to a rich person, and, you know, they were looking at their Forbes magazine or whatever, and, uh, and he said, and the Lord said, <clears throat> witness to him, because I don't want to. I, you know, I just, I, I just want to sit here quietly, have my beverage, and get from A to B. Can you just leave me alone, please? Thank you very much. And so he said for a bit, <laughs> you know, Jesse, you know, so he said for a bit more, and, and the Lord said, witness to him. He goes, come on, man. You know, nobody wants to buy a ticket, get on a plane, so that they can get saved halfway there. You know, it's just like nobody wants that. They just want to be left alone, you know. And so, anyway, God persisted. And so he said, well, what do you want me to say to him? And God gives him this scripture. And so he turns around and he says, You say I am rich, have become wealthy, and have no need, have need for nothing, and do, not, uh, and, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. <laughs> and, and this man looks at him and goes, Yeah, that's what my wife says to me all the time. <laughs> you know? <laughs> that was funny. And he got to talk to him. He got to witness to him anyway and, and got him saved and so on and so forth. But, <laughs> but I want you to know this. You know, notice something here. Notice what God says about people that are covetous. These are not people that are rich. These are people that say they're rich. They are parading their riches. Are you all with me? They're not helping anybody but themselves. And that's why he says, you say I am rich, have become wealthy. Remember what we, the, the verse we always say, for it is God who gives you the power to get wealth. Amen? All right. So he may establish his covenant. And it, it says, you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. In other words, he's saying you don't realize how much you don't have. You think by having this one thing, you've got it all. And Jesus is saying, by holding on to this one thing, you've lost it all. You can't even see straight, blind, okay? And that's sad when you get to that place. This is the warning to all those who put their rich, uh, trust in riches and refuse to humble themselves before God. And while the Apostle Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19, he says, tell those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money. Not to be proud and not to trust in their money. It didn't say not to have money. It says don't trust in it. Okay? And he says, which will soon be gone. But their trust should be in the living God. I really love those two words, living God. They're not just to trust God, they're to trust in the living God. In other words, you're not worshipping a dead God. You're not worshipping someone that does, has no idea what you're doing, and when you do it as unto the Lord, that He doesn't see. Are you all with me? Whatever you do, God's alive. He's watching you. Yeah. <laughs> okay? And that's why He makes sure that He says it's a living God, alright? And so He says, but their trust should be in the living God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. So notice that he says, who richly gives us. Not poorly, miserly, oh, that'll do. Are you all, are you all seeing this? Okay, he says richly. See, this, this is a word that Christians can't manage in their mouth. 
They go. <laughs> yes, rich. Say rich. Here we go. Like that rich chocolate cake. <laughs> you, know, okay. you can say rich there, can't you? But you can't anyway. So, hypocrite. No, <laughs> no. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right. So, <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> Wonder why nobody comes to this church. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> back to this. It's a real mystery. All right. So, <laughs> so he says again, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Verse 18, he says, tell them. Now, watch this. He doesn't say, tell them to give it all away. Please watch what he says. Tell them to use their money to do good. Did you get that? He says, you tell them to do the right thing with their money. Don't tell them stop running it. Don't tell them give it all up. You keep doing what you're doing because God's blessing you. Do you know one of the motivational gifts in uh, Romans chapter 12 is actually giving. Do you know to give you got to have? Why would God give somebody a gift and say, now don't have nothing? He'd go, excuse me. What do you want me to do? <laughs> okay. I know giving is more than finances. I get that. All right. But you need to understand that there are things. See, we need to see money for what it is. It's something that you exchange for other things. That's all it is. Okay. They print little numbers on it, which has different values. And depending on the number, you can have different things. No, I'm just, <laughs> let me just break it down for you. You know, I'm giving you one-on-one -on -one here, okay? The, uh, finance, one-on-one. That's all it is. If, it could have been seashells. It could have been bananas. We didn't come from apes. Okay, but some people, you know, that's all uh, bananas. Anyway, all right? <laughs> Whatever it was, it could have been anything. It just happened to be this because it was just, you know, what's the right word? Convenient. Thank you very much. Okay, it was just convenient. That was it. And they said, even that's too inconvenient, so let's put it on a card. <laughs> so you don't have to carry rolls of money. You got 5,000 bucks? Yep. 20,000? Mm -hmm. Same card. You know what I'm trying to say? Okay. See, we need to get past this kind of mentality of, oh, filthy Luca, don't touch that. It's like, how much bartering do you have? How much stuff do you have to exchange? Are you all with me? It's pigs, horses, money, whatever. Okay? All right. So, he says, tell them to use their money to do good. He could have said, tell them to use their pigs to do good. <laughs> tell them to use their horses or chickens or bananas to do good. Can we get this? Okay. All right, they should be rich in good works and should give generously to those in need. Should give generously to those in need. Again, only if you've got it. Amen? Always being ready to share with others whatever God has given them. See, now here's the right attitude. This is what God wants you to do. This is how God wants you to use your money so that you can be a blessing and be blessed. Because remember, He has promised... Give and it shall be given to you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. Okay? By people, people will get it back to you. So as much as you bless people, people will get it back to you. But remember, God's your source. You never look to people. Okay? So this is why you serve God, not serve money. Because while you're serving God, then he'll find all kinds of people with much more than you to get it to you. Hallelujah. All right, moving on. 
Verse 19, by doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future. Did you see that? By doing this, watch, he says, they will be storing up their treasure. The only, this, you know, somebody said something once that is exact. I was going to leave it to the end, but this is where it comes from. The only wealth you get to keep is the one you give away. This is how you store up treasure. You want to have treasure in heaven, give it down here. You don't want to have anything up there? Hang on to all of it. Hallelujah. No, <laughs> no it's not a good hallelujah. All right. <laughs> so he says, by doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of real or eternal life. Hallelujah. Isn't this wonderful? I, I love this passage of Scripture because it really lets you know what God thinks about all of it and what you should be doing with it. And people, I'm sad to say, don't preach this. They'll find all those little scriptures that say money's, you know, money's the root of all evil. And, and, you know, it doesn't say love. They don't ever use the word love. They just say money is because they have an issue. And the next thing is, oh, can you, can you, we have a hole in our roof. Can you help us? Help us so we're not getting wet every time it rains. With, with what? You told us not to have any. Better go find somebody from another church that doesn't believe in what you preach. To fix your roof. And, <laughs> and that's how it is. Anyway. In other words, there's nothing wrong with being rich. As long as we don't become covetous. And allow those riches to run our lives. Which I've said, I've said here, which usually leads to ruin if we don't decide to change our ways. A lot of people, you know, they just can't let go. Because of the power, the inherent power it has. In fact, according to Jesus, the deceitfulness of riches is one of those things that Satan uses to choke the word of God out of the life of the believer and stops them from going on to bear fruit. That's in Mark chapter 4 and verse 18. This is where Jesus is talking about the different grounds, okay? And when he gets to this, it's very interesting, you know, when he gets to a certain point, he talks about the hard ground, those that reject the word immediately. You know, Satan comes immediately to steal the word that is immediately rejected, not the one that you hold on to. Don't ever walk out the church going, oh, Satan comes immediately to take the word away. I better hang on to this word. No, dude, if you accept it, he can't take it away from you. Okay, you got to read the whole verse. <laughs> okay, don't listen to preachers. All right, read the whole verse because it, I'm sorry, because some people, I tell you the stuff I hear, I just think, oh, dear God, why are they on TV? Uh, seriously, you know, but, <laughs> you know, it, it says that, if you reject it, then Satan will come immediately because you rejected it. But as soon as you accept it, two things happen. It begins to grow, and then Satan has to attack you two different ways. Either you are shallow, and you, you know, that's what the rocky ground is about, okay? Easily offended, and you know, for the word's sake, by the way, okay? And so you kind of go, oh, this stuff doesn't work, hello? And you drop it and walk off. So you try it for a little bit, and you kind of go, I don't know. And just, you know. <laughs> so that, that's, the, that's the second ground. The third ground is this. When you go, no, I'm hanging on to this. You let it take root. And so Satan has to do something now. He's got to try and change your priorities because you're starting to prosper. See, he can't use this unless you're prospering. Because as soon as you get on the Word of God, you should start prospering. Something should be happening in your life. Are you all with me? Amen? And so the only thing that he can do now is 
take that prosperity that God is blessing you with and turn your eyes to it and get you to serve it instead of God. That's what, that's what the, that third patch of ground is about. Those people that lose their priorities. They sort of get, let's read it. It says, now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. Verse 19, and, see they heard the word, okay? And you can tell that they received it. And then the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things uh, entering in choke the word. It couldn't be, they wouldn't be able to choke the word if the word wasn't there. So obviously they took it in. All right? But notice that they let other things in as well. Be careful what you let in. Amen? You don't want it to compromise your ground. You don't want it to compromise what God is wanting to grow in you and bless others through you with. Do you know fruit is not for the tree? Have you, all not, have you ever gone to an apple tree and there's all these little apple cores all over the floor? And there's nobody there? And you go, what happened? The tree goes, I got hungry. Yeah. <laughs> okay? That will never be the case. Isn't it interesting that fruit is for others? The fruit you bear is for other people. Hallelujah. Okay? All right. So, anyway, back to this. He says, and the cares is what the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things entering in choke the word and it, the word, becomes unfruitful. Because, because you let it in, because it got in there and started to choke what was there. The only way it could choke what was there was that you actually got it in and you received it and something started to happen. You were being blessed. Amen? And then you took your eyes off God and on the blessing. And I don't know how many people have done that. They have been blessed. I just remember one person saying, oh, brother, pray for this. You know, could you please pray for me? I need this. And I, I'm good to pray for anybody for anything. You know, <laughs> that's what we're here to do anyway. Just be a blessing. And so he said, and, and I, you know, once I get the thing, I will be back and I'll do this and I'll do that and everything else. You know, all these promises. Never heard from them again. Because that's, you know, that's what I mean. We need to be careful. I don't have an issue with that because I don't look to people. Amen. I look to God. God takes care of us. Hallelujah. More than, you know, more than enough. So, you know, that's never an issue. But it saddens me when I see people like that. Because, you know, where are they headed for? Amen. You know, we need to be careful. Okay, so remember again, the Bible never says that money is the root of all evil. It does say, and this is 1 Timothy 6.10. Let's have a look at it because I've been quoting it left, right, and center. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, it says, For the love, the love of money is at the root of all kinds of evil. This is New Living Translation again. And some people craving money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. I want you to notice that they pierced themselves. God doesn't pierce them. See, no, God came and punished. No, no. <laughs> okay. Read the verse. Okay. It says they pierce themselves because they do the wrong thing. Amen. Okay, you know, it would be hypocritical of God to punish you if you had stuff when he's walking around on transparent gold. Builds everything on, on gems and precious stones. Who does that? Who, who lives like that and says, I can't have too much money? What happened? Where did we get that doctrine from? 
Read revolutions. No, revelations, revelations. Okay. It'll revolutionize your life. Okay. That's how I like to call it revolutions. Anyway, so back to this. <clears throat> Let's return back to James 1.11. It says again, let me read verses 10 and 11 so that you get a whole picture of this. It says, as the flower of the field, he too will pass away, verse 11, for no longer has the sun risen with a burning heat, then it withers the grass, its flower falls, and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. Now, first of all, from a scriptural point of view, R. Kentius writes this. He says, James reaches back to the rich treasure of Old Testament illustration, especially Isaiah chapter 40, verses 6 through 8, and says that all flesh will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat, and withers the plant, its blossom falls, and its beauty destroyed. In the same way, the rich man will fade away even while he goes about his business. So that's really interesting. All right, so that was taken from Isaiah. So James is quoting that, but I want to show you something else. From a literal point of view, because Jesus always said things that people could uh, kind of look around and relate to. Okay, because if you can't relate to something, you don't know what the person's on about. All right, so I, I really love this. Peter H. Davids explains the picture James uses to impress this idea on his readers is a phenomenon most dramatically observed in Palestine. The anemones, I think, and uh, uh, cyclamen, these are two flowering plants, okay? I, I don't know if I said them right, all right? Bloom, <laughs> bloom beautifully in the morning. But as the sun rises and the day becomes hotter, they droop, wither, and die. By evening, the once impressive blooms are gone, never to be again. Isn't that interesting? And so, you know, you can see how James is saying, he, he learned this from his brother. Okay, Brother Jesus, okay? He, he learned that use stuff that people can see and they'll kind of go, oh, like that, <laughs> okay? And so he's making reference to this, these little flowers that everybody admires in the morning. And by the time the evening comes, it's gone. And he's saying, you know, do you all see that? Every day, you know, when you're walking past and you see these beautiful flowers and you know they're not going to be there when you come back in the evening, that's how your life is. If you don't do the right thing, that's how it's going to be. You're just going to fade away. Nobody's going to remember you. They'll go ooh and wah in the morning, but in the later years of your life, in the evening years of your life, <laughs> who was that again? Okay. Are you getting this? I have to hurry up. Okay. Stop showing me those numbers. All right. <laughs> and so James says, so the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. He's actually depicting the rich person suddenly dying right in the midst of their business. That's what Isaiah brings out, okay? Remember again? While he goes about his business. In fact, in his commentary, Peter H. Davids again says, Wealth is very impressive, and the rich seem very important now. But if one looks at them from God's perspective, one sees that the impressiveness is that of a soap bubble. <laughs> I love this. Okay. <laughs> Death is coming and the wealth will disappear. Hello. Amen. In other words, for the person whose primary goal in life, watch now, okay, is the accumulation of wealth in the face of death, he or she will realize that wealth is meaningless. You know, if that's all you are pursuing, 
when that time comes and you're in your deathbed, you're going to realize it was all useless because you're going to have to all leave it behind. You can't take it with you. Amen? He or, he or she will realize that wealth is meaningless and that in time, not only will they be forgotten, but everything they've given their life to will be left behind and forgotten too. Why do you want to give your life to something like that? Amen? Again, I'm not talking to anybody here, but this is what's happening out there. And you need to see this. And don't, you know, if anything, don't be envious of the rich person that's sort of hanging on to their wealth, not going to church. And you just, you know, because the devil will use that and say, see, they're hanging on to it. They've got this, they've got that, they've paid this off, they've paid that off, and all of this stuff. And understand something they might have, but they have nothing waiting for them, and they might not even get there. You have so much to look forward to. Are you all with me? And whatever you're doing down here and whatever you might be doing without because you're being, you know, right before God. And can I just say this? God will not be a debtor to any person. Whatever, whatever you give, you'll receive. So if you do it right, and my job is to teach you how to do it right. This is what all this is about, okay? If you do it right, you should be blessed. And you should be the person that has more than the guy across the road from you. And more in heaven, <laughs> okay, than anybody else almost. Because you're giving so much. Every time you give, you store up more up there. And you get back down here. See, the, richer, the richest person on this planet that does the right thing should also be the richer, richest person in heaven as well. If they do the right thing. Are you all with me? Now, you can be rich in good works. Please don't get me wrong. You know, I think of Mother, Mother Teresa and all them people, okay? They are going to be rich in heaven for the works that they did down here, for the blessing that they were. You don't have to have money to have riches up there. Let me just say that. But if you do, you have the potential to have him up there as well by giving it and being a blessing to others. Are you all with me? Okay. I got to hurry up. I got to hurry up. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's what's brought out in the parable of the rich man, which we won't have a lot of time to look at because I have three minutes. Okay, but let's read it quickly. <laughs> in verses 15 through 21, it says, Take heed. Jesus is speaking here. He says, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Isn't that what we've been talking about? Yeah. Amen. And then, this is where this parable comes from, verse 16. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. He didn't say, I'll share any of this. I'll just build bigger barns to store this stuff in. All right? And there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I'll, verse 19, and I'll say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Watch. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he, who, verse 21, who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So is he who lays up treasure for himself. And not rich towards God. Notice you can be rich towards God. We saw how to do that in, in Timothy. Amen? How to, how to, you know, how to be, um, what's, the good, what's the right word here? Come on, Roche. 
We're running out of time here. Sorry. <laughs> uh, how to do the right thing? How to be a blessing? Not just always look to be blessed? Amen? And this takes us back to verse 15, where Jesus said again, Take heed and beware of covetousness. So that's the whole point. He's saying it's only covetousness that is a problem to God. That's when you serve money. That's why he said you can't serve God and money. Are you all with me? And he says, take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. Isn't that the world's rule? Isn't that exactly what they say? They measure success by how much they have. By the houses and the cars and what all, the, the, Tus, the villa in Tuscany or whatever. You know, it's like, you know, you look at that and the world says, oh, that dude's made it because of all the stuff. And Jesus says the exact opposite. And I really need you to see that. So according, i got to finish. William McDonald writes, if a man has nothing but material wealth, then all his plans will end at the grave. Wow. And why the Apostle James effectively says again, as the flower of the field, so the selfish, self-centered rich man will also fade away in his pursuits. However, and I want to leave you on a high note. Can't leave you there. Can't leave you there. For all those who choose to be a blessing and choose to bless others with their substance, Proverbs 11, verses 24, 25, and 28. I'm reading from a couple of different translations. It says that there is one who scattered and yet increases more. We use this for our tithes and offerings, okay? And there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. Now we know what that's talking about. One who withholds more than is right. Covetousness. Did you get that? And I want you to notice about the first part. There is one who scattered and scatters and yet increases. It's a miracle. Because when you scatter, you should have less. But that's only because you see yourself as the only source. But if you see, your God, if you see God as your source, every time you scatter, more comes back. Because he goes, oh, look, I have more to bless. Amen? That's, that's why this whole thing is supernatural. Verse 25 says, the generous soul will be made rich. No question about it. The generous soul will be made rich. Okay? And he who waters will also be watered himself. Verse 28. He who trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like green leaves in spring. So I want you to notice, again, there's this comparison. Those who trust in their riches, those who serve money, they're going to fail. They're going to fall. But notice the righteous. Who are the righteous? Those who scatter and increase. Hallelujah. Those who do the right thing. Those who serve God with their wealth. Amen? Amen? He says they will flourish like green leaves. And remember Proverbs 10.22 as we close. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich. And he adds no sorrow with it. Amen? Amen. That's how you want to be blessed. Hallelujah. Have it all. The money and the peace. <laughs> Amen? Amen? Praise God. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you today for your word, and we thank you, Father, for all the wisdom, the revelation, and the insight that we are receiving. And I thank you, Lord, that we receive this word humbly. And I thank you, Father, that as we move forward, and I pray that each and every individual in the sound of my voice will continue to increase. And I thank you, Father, that as that increase comes, they will continue to serve you. 
Hallelujah. With what they have. They will keep their eyes on you. And be a blessing. So that not only will, will others be blessed. But so will they. In eternity. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.